Hello and welcome to the Practical Leadership Podcast, where I interview great leaders and try to extract their wisdom and experience for you to learn from and hopefully avoid making their mistakes. Check out practical-leadership.academy because you want to help your new managers succeed with hybrid or remote working. Ferris Alanki, thank you very much indeed for joining me. Paul, thanks for receiving me. Is that right? <laughs> well, I'll be received anywhere you like. It's just like being the receiving line at Her Majesty. You know, thank you. Well, His Majesty now, yes. Nice to meet you there, Ferris. Very nice to meet you. Would, would you introduce yourself, please? I would love to. Hello to all of Paul's listeners and this fantastic podcast. I'm Ferris Ranke. I'm the CEO of a company called Sheer Ghetto Consulting, which is a small, innovative consulting firm which does strategy and emotional intelligence. Basically, we get teams working better together and buying into the same idea so you can actually deliver on your strategy uh, loads of fun um but i've got a um you know a, quite a journey to get here which has involved working as a strategy consultant for multiple years working in the energy industry before that and a long time ago paul i started as a high school teacher uh, teaching the two glamorous subjects of maths and economics uh, around the world so um hopefully that will give me a range of stories to share with you today I think that's a decent foundation. That's a definitely a decent foundation. I mean, Centrica, Ernst & Young, Beringa, and, and yes, I mean, that, where else do you want to go from? <laughs> yeah, certainly. Uh, plenty of company experiences and different companies, but also when you're a consultant, you go in and out of organizations. That's so you the thing absorb a lot of information that's that's one of the reasons i love it um and uh, you unashamedly borrow good techniques and uh, learn about bad techniques so that you don't recreate them um so i like to think i'm a walking encyclopedia of good and bad management practices well there's the good artists borrow great artists steal i'm, I'm an unashamed thief of other people's good ideas <laughs> with credit of course where you can remember where you found oh. Of course, of course. Well, absolutely. And and in terms of the, the the bad practices, oh my God. I mean, I've always thought that there is a trail of destruction left behind, well, me in particular, but every bad manager out there. A trail of destruction, all these people that you were experimenting on unwittingly and unknowingly over the time, you know, trying stuff out. What, what was the point in your illustrious career where you first ended up being a manager? Manager, it depends how you define manager. If I'm honest, if you know, when you asked me that question uh, earlier in our prep call, um, I was like, oh, it's probably going to be when I transitioned at Centrica into managing a team um, of call center agents. You know, at Centrica, they had a fantastic uh, thing where they, you had to work on the shop floor at some point early on in your career, um, and um, before you got into sort of more um cerebral jobs and so i transitioned from being a call center agent into running a team of 20 agents and that was a baptism of fire uh, mm -hmm. paul i remember my first meeting i did one-to-ones with everyone in the team and there was this uh, uh older chap who'd been a call center agent for 30 years whose opening sentence to me involved multiple swear words uh which uh, uh and the along the lights of what the hell have you got to teach me you're you're not even old enough to shave um so it was a very <laughs> tough confrontational to to inspire motivate and lead those people but actually the reason i reflected is do you know what um the reason i could handle that conversation was because for five years i'd spent every day 
managing 30 little people into learning. Um, and, and they'd bring their challenges every day. They would bring their reasons they couldn't do their work. They would need motivation, inspiration. So actually being a teacher was fantastic for secretly teaching me how to manage others. My mum was a teacher for, I don't know, 35 years, something like that. She retired as a, as a head teacher. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the reasons I got into digital learning and I've, I'm a consummate learner. I call that myself. I like to learn lots of new things. I have huge respect for teachers given that I've got two small children right now and the amount of crap that they have to go through uh, (laughs) the work, the work that gets and that is involved in the prep and their concepts, it's like they're being on stage. Mm. I mean, mean, managers, leaders are on stage anyway. You're always performing, not necessarily faking anything. I don't mean that, but you are there as a presence and present and being present all the time is very tiring. But well, with 30 little people, Aye, good. What's your biggest takeaway from that? How did you transfer? How would you advise somebody? What would you take away from being a teacher and then advise somebody being a new manager? That would, that would, uh, the transition, um, I mean, I learned very many valuable lessons as a teacher. One is, which transfers as a manager, one was be prepared for anything. Um, you know, literally, you cannot you cannot think through every scenario that might be presented. Uh, and usually they're around um, emotional and things that things that are happening to the person. And, and, and by the way, you, you don't have to be an expert at those. As a manager or as a teacher, there's no way I could have dealt with all the challenges that were going on at home because I wasn't trained. But it is about being the first port of call for that and knowing how to get others to come in and help you or, or sort of being a signpost uh, to the right sort of sources of help but a lot of a lot of teachers a lot of early managers think they have to solve every problem and that can overwhelm you and, and consume you and that and, and and you need to kind of just shift and say actually no i'm just i'm just kind of like the switchboard operator mm-hmm. um that they first call and i need to know where they can get help so that was a key lesson because I, you know early days i tried to solve every problem and beat myself because there's a lot of a lot of stuff that goes on when you have 30 children each coming from different homes and different different challenges um and then another key lesson is while in your head you want to be the cool, fun, um, really approachable, lovely person because you think that's who you are, it actually sets you up to, to be a lot tougher if that is your how you come across initially. You know, I was told very early on by one of my fellow teachers who pulled me aside and said, look, you've made a mistake here. You've tried to be the cool young teacher. They're now going to walk all over you because you cannot dial it back to be the tough. He said, you always got to start tough uh, uh, lay out the rules and then you can ease up. You can never do it the other way around. Um, so he was almost like this first year of your teaching career is a write-off because now the kids are just going to trample on. But next year you have to learn from this. And I think it's the same as a manager. You know, while you want to be everyone's friend, while you want to be everything, you have to lay out the boundaries, the, the you know, the, the rules of engagement, and then you can ease up. But you have to be very clear and transparent to people what you expect from them. I was I was talking to um, very smart lady uh, Flo Broderick fairly recently. She's a CMO at uh, Carto, and she was saying that you go to work to be respected, not necessarily liked or loved. Yeah, you know, which is like, I think is a good way of putting it there. I mean, and, and that and you, the fact that you don't need to know the answers as as soon as you learn what coaching is, and you discover just how incredibly powerful half a dozen good questions are. Mm. And as you said, then signposting people towards resource, signposting people towards other people and not needing to know the answers. The best part is that you could look, well, I suppose if you want, you could look great. 
but not knowing the answers. Yeah. What would I do about this? Well, I don't know. What would you do? What's the situation? <laughs> well, it's this. And what, what would you think? You're, what's stopping you doing that? That. Where do you want to get to? Here. Mm. What are your options? That one. Which one do you think you could do first? This one. When are you going to start? Tomorrow. That was wonderful talking to you, Paul. Mm, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> That's it. That's the gig. So if you were to say how to be prepared for anything, yeah, how do you? prepare yourself for anything you can't prepare yourself well uh, you know you, you can't i mean you can right i do a lot of uh pre-mortems with companies nowadays which is um a pre-mortem is you 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 pick something and i can see you're not but you pick something and assume it's failed and then you run through all the reasons it might have failed so you could do an element of that but I, um and, and a healthier bit of that is, is to be prepared. but what i mean by being prepared is actually is more on your side your own self-awareness your own self-preparedness like like i said my initial reaction when all these challenges came at me was i must solve all these things and part of it was addressing why was i reacting like that you know and and kind of understanding myself and putting in place some techniques to go actually that's okay i don't need to do that so you know so it might be that you really stress out so how do you calm yourself or it might be that you become super frantic so how do you how do you keep focus Right. So a lot of that being prepared for anything is actually understanding yourself and applying some self-management. Um, so I think being, a uh, you know, for early managers, a lot of it is about learning more about yourself as much as it is about managing your team. Physician, heal thyself, first exactly. of all. Mm. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot, a lot, I think, of what leads from knowing yourself leads you then into understanding other people if you really want to understand other people you have to start with knowing yourself because you are other people in many ways shapes or forms but you need to do that you need to build those relationships yeah and i think it can take a very long time to build a good enough relationship where you get to the point where you can have those sorts of conversations or people will come to you now do you think there's is there a is there a way of building relationships faster Oh, 100%. Uh, a lot of what I do today is about building relationships very quickly um, because uh, um, companies, teams are far more successful when people are all collaborating, working well, and there's a level of trust. Now, what's the simplest way to uh, to build a relationship quicker? Um, it is the fact, find something you have in common with the other person. Really, really simple technique. When two human beings find something they have in common, they are more likely to work well together or better together. I should say. And it can be anything. Uh, so, uh, so you know, a really quick exercise I do with every team or at the start of every meeting is literally get into a pair, get into a three, and you've got five minutes. You have to find the most interesting fun fact that connects the two, three, four of you. And the team that comes back with the most interesting fact, it can't just be we're all human beings, uh, will win a small prize, right? So this gets, A, the creative juices going. It gets teams to sit there going, right, uh, what foods do you like? What films do you like? What, where, which country do you travel to? They literally rattle through in five minutes about a, a, a week's worth of conversations. And suddenly you've got people going, and that will form the conversations after the meeting in coffee groups for the rest of the week. Um, and, you know, you hand out a small box of chocolates or whatever, but the real prize is suddenly you've got 20 people who maybe only knew each other a little bit or not at all, having a whole bunch of conversation starters and and reasons to look out for each other and and just care a bit more about the other person i love that so find something in common i mean that goes to oh what's this um it's robert caldini on yeah. influence and persuasion and one of the big things that people like is 
it's liking. I, I, I want to be, I want to agree with people who are like me. Yeah. 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 So this is the, the, the social aspect of it. What else could you do to, to shorten that relationship building time? So, um, yeah, I mean, these, these are simple things. So find ways to, to get connect and, and, and find joint tasks to work on. The sooner you stop looking at each other in the eyes and you're both looking at the same thing together, the, the quicker you'll develop a relationship. Right. And I think we all know this. We've, we've all seen this. Think of the, the job interviews you've been to in the past or things where you start or, or a first date or something. And it all starts with, oh, who are you? Where are you from? And then suddenly you start talking about, oh, don't you hate it when this happens? And so you move from the eyeballing each other to a shared experience or, or working on a common thing. So the sooner you can introduce that. And as a manager, you, you, what's great is you have the lever to introduce those tasks to your team. Right. So sometimes I call these sometimes speed bumps. I encourage new managers to create small tasks, even if they're not necessary, to bring people together. All right. And it's why people often groan at team bonding sessions because they're the kind of clunky version of these. Um, but that that's why they're effective. And I actually sometimes say to teams, I don't care whether you like or hate this. You will grow closer at the end of it, even if it's just for your shared hate of me. Um, and this stupid activity and they will laugh and then they'll get to the end and, and and that's why i have senior executives doing stupid things like kung fu you know in fields i have them singing at the top of their voice even if they hate it because you know i know they will be closer for it after the small task yeah the um, the singing thing actually i think is incredible i mean i, I love my music and I've been, I've been doing amateur dramatics forever you know singing and dancing and musical theater and all that sort of stuff but I had a, a wonderful singing coach come to a team event once and she had us all singing and we were doing like three part harmony. Mm. And this is just a random bunch of people that I've hired over the course of a few years, it was 20 of us or something like that. And oh my golly gosh, the bonding, the, 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 the positivity. And the song was good as well. What was it? Um, uh, enough. So do the one this the one this tag at the end of um, uh, Ghostbusters two where the big things want anyway it doesn't really matter but it's this fabulous <laughs> uplifting song people would yeah. just really really enjoyed doing it I mean yeah. everyone's getting into it even the people who say, oh I don't sing I don't do anything me yeah everybody's getting into it but you're right it's when you have this these shared these shared moments yeah that's incredibly powerful mm, wonderful I like that. So how do you build a relationship in a day? That's, that's a fast way of doing it. Okay. Yeah. Was there an event or a mistake perhaps that taught you a lot? Oh God. Uh, yeah, loads of them. Um, and they still happen all the time, but, uh, <laughs> um, do you know, uh, yeah. Uh, and it depends what, what kind of learning you think, you know, I've had, um, uh, events where I've screwed up, uh, massively, uh, and, and most of these events are where I failed. You know, I'll be I'll be honest with you. Um, I was uh, I was on a, another podcast. I know you shouldn't talk about another podcast when you're on a podcast, but I was on another podcast recently, Paul, which was called "The Ten Greatest Lessons You've Learned in Your Life." Mm. Initially, I went on this podcast and I thought I don't have ten lessons to share, um, and uh, I started jotting down lessons I'd had in my life. And when I looked down at the piece of paper, there was about forty-two. And I went, oh, now I have to pick 10 of these. And it, But the common theme between all 42 was they were all when I'd screwed up massively. Mm. 
Oh, something had gone wrong. Not very few of them when were, were positive, you know, when a massive positive thing had happened and I'd learned from it. And that's that's the reality of life, right? Uh, you trip up, you learn. Um, and actually, I do a lot of uh, training, coaching at the moment, and I actively use this as a way to accelerate learning. Like I bruise egos very early on. I set tasks that are designed for people to not succeed so that they you pique their interest to actually learn and go, do you know what? Maybe I'm not as good as this as I thought I was. I should pay attention here. Um, uh, and again, I'll be transparent about that um, because you'll always get someone go, no, well, I can do this. I can do this. Um, so, yeah, I could literally reel off loads of failed activities. So I guess I guess what kind of learning are you, are you after? You know, it. Um, um, and I can I can dig up an experience from my from my past where I failed that has given me a learning in that arena. Do you know what? I think what you just said was actually meet enough. Hmm. There we are. The, the, the idea of putting something, putting people in a situation intentionally and with positive intent and with, you know, due care and attention to everything else where they have to work. And then you hook that into the, the joint task to work on. And you hook that into the finding something in common. There is this, this theme here that I think is, is, is coming out as we talk here, Ferris, of of getting people to a place where they wouldn't otherwise get in their own. Yeah. 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 Hmm. And, and, and I reflect going back even further in our conversation about, um, you know, what makes a good manager and how do you handle it? A lot of it comes from my self-awareness. I really kind of reflected on what helped me move the dial and get a bit better. And I really put myself in in the position whenever I'm designing something like, how would I feel at this very moment? I'd be, God, this is boring or good, God, or whatever. And, and so I use those feelings to get the best out of people um, and really redesign things to to get the um, to really change the dial for them. Yeah, I think it's, it's frankly it's the only way to fly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What are you working on at the moment? Uh, so I'm working on some super exciting stuff. Um, I what I love about the work that I do is quite varied. So I'm working with a professional services firm on new um, training programs for their new managers. Um, I am working uh, on a large change program for a drinks company. Um, so how do you get people excited by what is an IT, basically an IT change? Uh, but is going to impact all their lives um, and make sure that they they feel positive about it. Um, I am working with a bunch of tough-nosed traders um, to get them to work better as a team. So, um, you know, it's very varied. But equally, I, you know, I like having a bit of a portfolio career. So I uh, do a lot of uh, speaker uh, events and uh, even have the privilege of a friend asking me to write a few chapters of his book. So a um, lot, lot of things that keep me busy. And I guess I'm one of these people that if I have time in my diary, I'll go, oh, I'll do a new project, um, which is probably a very stupid way of living my life. And uh, my family usually try and talk me down from it. It keeps you off the streets. Could be dangerous. It keeps me off the streets. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah you'll be roaming the roaming the, the local neighbourhood, going consultant available. <laughs> um, Companies are yeah. shutting the doors and locking as you're walking past. No, no more change. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, the child catcher and chitty chitty bang bang was. That's yeah, the one. Lollipop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Strategy, lo- strategic lollipop. Oh, okay, we're, we're taking that one too far. For younger yeah. listeners, that reference is very dated, but don't worry. <laughs> 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 what are you reading just now? What do you listen to? So a key part of my uh, working week, working days, I, I, you know, I have six work phases, I call it, and my diary is blocked out. And one of them is absorb, absorb new information. So I try and do an hour a day of knowledge absorption. And for me, um, nowadays, it much more comes from articles, newspapers, um, and it's quite varied. So I, I've signed up to a variety of newsletters, and every day I set aside uh, an hour to read different articles and they are quite varied some are business uh articles some are psychology newsletters some are from the world of uh media uh, because um i love i don't know what i don't know and i love a wide variety of knowledge uh, because i never know what one piece will be useful now the key is on with absorb is is active learning so not just reading all these things i've actually got to do something with it so, you know, I'll maybe read three articles a day that really resonate. I'll either then summarize them so that they stick or I'll turn them into a talk or I'll somehow organize, arrange an activity out of them. But otherwise, they just go in and I know me and it's about reinforcing that learning. Um, so, uh, yeah, really, really varied sources. You know, so just this morning alone, I've read about uh, aerospace um some New advancements in um, in uh, biomedical and uh, a bit of crypto uh, world. Now, none of those am I an expert in, but I'm fascinated to learn. About, have a little bit of knowledge in each of those areas. I love the idea of the active learning because I'm very conscious as well. I mean, I, I love to read all sorts of stuff like that. And there's a, I, I try for a book a week, and it's a bit yeah, bit bit much, frankly. Um, it's more like one every two and a bit, or maybe three, something like that, because you get other stuff to do. But if you just troll through something or you're picking the highlights or whatever, it's pointless because, well, for pointless for me anyway, I've got to, I try to turn it into either a, a course or a bullet pointed list or something that I can teach somebody. That's the biggest one for me is if I can turn it into something I can teach or share in a coaching session with somebody yeah. around a topic yeah. and then coach yeah. on that framework of that idea. That's how I get it stuck in my head and find it useful because what's the bloody point otherwise? Well, yeah. I mean, well, you you can just you can look back and say I read fifty two books this year. Well, um, good for you. Yeah, well, good for you. Well, I mean, data. But, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And and I think this is a key point about knowing yourself. A lot of us haven't worked this out yet. Well, I, until I was made aware of this, like, what kind of learner are you? Yes. You know, mm-hmm. There's the three the three types. Obviously, we all absorb by. But how do you reinforce that learning? Like you said, it's either you're a doer, so do it a hundred times. So if you read a manual on golfing. Go and practice your swing a hundred times if you're a doer. Mm. If you're a speaker, go and explain that technique you just learned to a hundred people. And by the time you've explained it and put it in your own words, it will be crystallized in your head. Or if you're a writer, write it down in a hundred different ways. And a hundred is just the mm. number I picked up a terror. Yeah. But but you've got to know which of those three things really help you crystallize your learning and go and apply it. And a lot of people haven't got that missing step and haven't really thought about it. So mm. knowledge just goes in and then is quickly lost. Because nobody's ever taught how to learn. No. No, really. It's a big thing. I mean, I, I've worked with L&D for years and years, learning and development. And most people in learning and development are psychologists or their backgrounds and training and that sort of stuff. And that's great. 
But one of the things that we always forget to teach people is how to actually learn. You've, folk have struggled through exams or, or came through university or whatever. They, they sit the exam. And oh, my goodness me, I could not tell you a damn thing about Scandinavian children's cinema. Yeah. But yes, I do promise you, I sat an exam on it and did very well. <laughs> with, with a, <laughs> it's, it's how to learn. Exactly that point. It's a very good point. Mm. Yeah, and, you, and you were telling me earlier before this podcast about your one of your excellent uh, training programs where you've broken it down into bite-sized 25-minute segments. And I love how the balance is five, 10 minutes of learning and then actually applying it or coaching around yeah. it, right? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that should be the balance. Absorb a little, practice a lot. Um mm -hmm. And, and, you know, you think how we're taught at school, it's actually sit and absorb for two hours uh, and yep. then, oh, yeah, go and do some homework on it on your own without any help or guidance. Oh, all right. Okay. And thankfully at the moment, I mean, there's lots of people talking about um, how bad our schools are and all that. But thankfully at the moment, my experience with my kids is that this very action-oriented, it's very, very, the bias is for, or for, for using the thing. They're not sitting there doing je suis, tu es, nous sommes, vous êtes, they're, they're yeah, actually yeah, yeah. learning hello, my name is, and how about you? So they're actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, long may that continue, because kid, my kids are only in junior school just now, but they're moving up. I I don't see it continuing, unfortunately. I think it, I can imagine the high school is back to, and this is the table of elements that we will now memorize name, but, well, you know, that sort of nonsense. Hopefully not, but we'll see, we'll see. What would you like to thank younger Ferris for doing? Well, I would like to thank him. Um, yeah. Uh, for taking the risks that he took. Um, I wouldn't be here today without putting myself into some uncomfortable positions, which at the time I really uh, was like, why am I doing this? Um, but, you know, I now have a mantra, which is run towards the wrecking ball, um, because I, in hindsight, can look at all the benefits I got from Take you know taking that risky step, which at the time, you know, now I wouldn't consider risky, but for you know, 13 year old me, uh, you know, going and talking to someone who, you know, uh, I, I felt was like, oh my God, my world's going to end. Uh, to, you know, 17 year old me going off, uh, traveling around the world and, and living in a random country and these sort of things. Um, you know, I'm really glad that I took those risks and I'm reaping the benefits today. Lastly, then, your coordinates. How can people find you? They can find me by just. Uh, Tossing a coin in the sky. No, uh, <laughs> two places. <laughs> Throwing a dart. <laughs> Throw a dart. Uh, the best places are come and visit my website, uh, company website, which is um, uh, www.sheerghetto.com. And Sheerghetto is S H I A G E T O. Um, or the other really great place that I hang out a lot is LinkedIn. Um, so Faris Aranki, Ferris Aranki, um, look me up and uh, let's um, just keep the conversation going there. Ferris Aranke, thank you very much indeed for joining me. Thank you very much, Paul Morton. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining me today. Your homework is to leave your five-star review and please, any comments you have, you really help me to improve every day. And it also helps people to discover me online. You should check out practical-leadership.academy because you want to help your new managers succeed with hybrid or remote working.